Answers to questions you can't solve with a pill. Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. With a very special guest joining us today to talk about an important topic, nutrition and cancer care, whether it's optimizing our lifestyle to prevent cancer. Oh yes, even though we might have a genetic predisposition, the unfolding evidence is clear that wise lifestyle choices do make a difference. And as importantly, should we be faced with that challenge or someone that we know or someone in our family, how do we optimize lifestyle to optimize the outcome? Uh, we are uh, delighted and honored to have a very special guide uh, joining us today. He's the author of many books, a noted research scientist, clinician, the medical director of the Simone uh, Cancer Protective Center. Dr. Charles Simone is our guide today. Dr. Simone, hello and welcome. Good morning, Deborah Ray, and thank you so much. And, and thank you again for the Deborah Ray Show and uh, Dr. Whitaker and you as always expert opinions and uh, truthful and non-misleading information for your listeners. I think it's so important. In a, uh, in a forum that uh, can be cluttered with uh, some untruths. So thank you again for that. Oh, it is, it is our pleasure. And we are only as good as our sources. And you are a, uh, a, a trusted and, and valuable one, Dr. Simone. Tell us the story. Give us an overview of where we are regarding nutrition and cancer care, please. Well, we have to understand a couple of things. First of all, since 1920 to the present time, we have made very limited progress in the treatment of adult cancers. Children tumors are different, but adult cancers, not very much progress. So a person who gets breast cancer today or prostate cancer today will live no longer than a person who got in 1920. That's despite everything we've done. Radiation therapy over a century ago that began, combination chemotherapy in the 1960s, immunotherapy in the 70s, um, fancy MRI scans, PET scans, and billions and billions of dollars in research, uh, limited progress. So we know chemotherapy and uh, radiation therapy are here for a little bit longer. Uh, hopefully chemotherapy will see us stay soon. I am a chemotherapist, by the way, trained as such at the National Cancer Institute and also a radiation oncologist trained at the University of Pennsylvania. So I wear a number of hats when I see people, but I realized a long time ago that we cannot cure these diseases in the modes that we're talking about alone. So we wrote a book called Cancer and Nutrition, and that was a direct result of my interaction with Vice President Humphrey, who died of cancer, of not his cancer, but rather malnutrition. And that got me thinking about the relationship between cancer and nutrition, and we certainly learned then that we can certainly prevent cancer, because cancers are, uh, genetics are responsible for about 6 to 8% of all cancers and about the same number for heart disease. So that means we have control. It is our lifestyle that causes our problems and promotes our problems once we have them. So the book, Cancer Nutrition, is a prevention plan and also a cancer life extension plan. So here's how we treat patients with cancer and also to to prevent it. Nutrition seems to be uh, the number one cause of cancer. In fact, it is responsible for 60% of all women's cancers and 40% of all men's cancers. Wow. So it's the number one and overriding risk factor that we need to control because we have absolute control over what goes into our mouth. So what I tell patients is avoid four-legged animals, avoid shellfish, and avoid dairy products unless they're skim or non-fat. Those are the three big things that bring in all the high fat, all the cholesterol that are linked to cancers, heart disease, etc. 
And the cancers that are specifically linked to diet are breast, prostate, endometrium, colon, rectum, and other GYN tumors. So the major tumors that we see every day besides lung cancer are definitely linked to nutritional factors. And if we modify our diet, get rid of those four legs, shellfish, and dairy, we're way, way ahead of the curve. We can prevent cancer. We have a Kid Start program that teaches children how to prevent it and talk to them about these very things. Um, and that's very important. So those three groups of foods are important to get rid of. Guess, now, what about vitamins and minerals? Yeah. We hear lots and lots about vitamins and minerals. We know we can use vitamins and minerals to prevent cancer from ever happening. Let me give you two major studies sponsored by our U.S. government, the National Cancer Institute, to depict this picture. Uh, and there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of studies to corroborate this, but let me just give you some cute uh, picture windows about this. Our National Cancer Institute team went into China, and they said, we want to check the, the 30,000 people to see if three little antioxidants can help prevent cancer. They used a tiny dose of beta-carotene, I think about 15 milligrams, <clears throat> 200 micrograms of, of selenium, and about 60 units of vitamin E. That was it, small doses of three antioxidants. And they said to these 30,000 Chinese people, do what you want, smoke, drink, uh, eat your normal foods, eat and do everything you normally do, but take these three pills every day. At the end of about five years, they found that the, the incidence of cancer went down by almost 30%. The incidence of mortality from death of any cause uh, went down by 25%. The incidence of stroke was reduced by 40%. So overall, three little pills, tiny doses in a short period of time, had a dramatic effect on 30,000 Chinese people in Beijing, in China, rather. They also said, look, let me look at an, a high-risk group, a group that we know will convert into a cancer, uh, a pre-esophageal cancer. I want to do the same thing, and this time there are only about 4,000 patients in the study, and they found the same incidence of cancers, lesser cancer of the esophagus, lesser heart disease risk, lesser um, mortality from stroke, etc., so, again, two major studies conducted by our government at the uh, National Cancer Institute over there in the Chinese uh, government and country show that three antioxidants will help prevent cancer and despite anything else you do. So the prevention studies are clear. Now, what about treatment? Can we use vitamins and minerals to actually treat cancer? And the answer is, again, overwhelmingly yes. Uh, nutrients have been shown now to interrupt the phases of cancer production at the early stages and the later stages of cancer production from a normal cell to a cancer cell. So we can do that. Something else has come up. Uh, in 1997, a big problem has arisen from two people's perspective. And they said to cancer patients, while you're taking chemotherapy or radiation therapy, do not take vitamins and minerals, especially antioxidants. And this is simply wrong. And I'll tell you what. And this came out in the front page article of a New York Times Sunday Times. And uh, there was absolutely no data for them to share with the public. They just had two opinions. Wow. And they came from a prestigious uh, place in New York City, a major cancer hospital there. And because of that, because of the aura of the prestige of the institution, the information caught on to major groups of people, websites, the American Cancer Society, and patients all around the world and, and nation here, too 
So if you ask any patient uh, if they're getting chemotherapy or radiation therapy, if their doctors told them not to take vitamins and minerals, they will tell you yes. And we did a study. 650 consecutive patients in a six-month six period of time came here, and we asked them several questions. Do you take vitamins? And they said, yes, we do. Um, do you take them? Did you take them before your diagnosis? No, we didn't. Um, did your doctor tell you not to take them during chemotherapy, radiation therapy? And 85% of the time said yes. They wow. said yes, 85% of them. 85%, um, wow. And the, lastly, I asked them, if you knew that vitamins and minerals were good for you during chemotherapy and radiation therapy, and I explained why, and I'm going to explain to our listeners why, if you knew that it was good for you, would you take them if your doctor told you not to do it? And they said, absolutely not. Whatever my doctor tells me to do, that's what I will do. Right, right. So, Right or wrong, good information or bad information, the doctor has tremendous influence over the patient. Let's examine the studies. We have reviewed and published now, and your listeners can, uh, if they want to, they can email me and I'll send out the uh, links to them. We published two, two papers early this year, 2007, in January, February, and the uh, March, April edition of Alternative Therapies in Health and Medicine. And these studies, these two papers reviewed 50 studies, 50 human studies around the world, published mainly in this country and a few European studies. They're all published in good medical journals. They're all either randomized studies or observational studies. And they included about 8,500 people, 8,500 people. Dr. Simone, we want to hear more about the studies. We don't want to cut you short. Hold uh, tight on that thought. Nutrition and Cancer Care with Dr. Charles Simone, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. Planet Earth. This is TalkZone.com. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. I'm Deborah Ray. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, where a very special guest joins us today, Dr. Charles Simone. His website, www.drsimone, spelled simply D-R-S-I-M-O-N-E.com, will tell you more about his books, his research, his clinical practice, uh, his education of you and me, uh, uh, bringing him to us today to talk about nutrition and cancer care. And you had began to tell us, uh, Dr. Simone, uh, about the studies that right. were part of what you uh, and your team recently published. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we examined 50 different human studies, both randomized studies and observational studies, published in great journals in this country and around the world. Um, and in these studies, 8,500 people or so were involved in the studies, patients. Of those 8,500 people, almost 6,000 patients took vitamins and minerals during chemotherapy or radiation therapy. Not one of them had any interference with the chemotherapy radiation therapy. <clears throat> and that's been always the problem with what people have said, that vitamins and minerals will interfere with chemotherapy and radiation therapy. And we found that absolutely is not the case, number one. Number two. We found that the patients had less side effects. Number three, the vitamins and minerals actually de- increase the kill rate of the tumor when used with chemotherapy and radiation therapy. And number four, the big, big payoff, is that 4,000 of those 6,000 patients, that's two-thirds of the people who took vitamins and minerals, actually lived longer. 
Now, that's a big deal because remember what I said before, that since 1920, we've not seen anything to extend life in most adult tumors. And here we are with vitamins and minerals showing that we can extend life while a patient's undergoing chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and thereafter. So vitamins and minerals should be taken by patients who are uh, undergoing radiation therapy and chemotherapy. Uh, they do not interfere with any chemotherapy or radiation therapy. They actually enhance the kill rate of the tumor. They decrease side effects. And in two-thirds of the people, we've seen increased lifespan. So patients need to take vitamins and minerals. And patients shouldn't be put in the, in the middle of this controversy, although it shouldn't be called a controversy any longer when the data are so black and white. Patients should have the papers in their hands and go to the doctor and say, look, doctor, here are two papers that review 50 different studies showing that there's absolutely no interference. I'd like to take vitamins and minerals during chemotherapy, radiation therapy. And if the doctor waffles on that, then I would tell the patient simply to challenge the doctor in a nice way, well, doctor so-and-so, please give me the papers that you can show, show uh, and uh, refute, refute this information. And the doctors cannot because there is no such thing. The curiosity of this whole scenario is this, that for the last two and a half decades, doctors, or about two decades, the doctors have been prescribing two medications that were uh, developed by the armed forces. One is called amiphosphine. The other is called dexrazoxane. Both of these were developed by the armed forces for one purpose and one purpose only, to negate the harmful effects of chemical warfare. They do that by acting as pure antioxidants. So doctors, cancer doctors, routinely prescribe these two medications, maybe without the knowledge that they are, in fact, antioxidants. So they feel comfortable with prescribing antioxidants if they're prescriptions, but they are uncomfortable or don't have the knowledge base to suggest to the patient that they are okay to use antioxidants by mouth. So this is the uh, silliness of the story that these antioxidants have been long used as prescription medications, and now the patient should be able to use the uh, antioxidants by mouth, supplements. And address, if you would please, Dr. Simone, the, the, the human tragedy, because we're now beginning to read, even in the conventional literature, uh, detailing that quality of life was often overlooked in terms of uh, looking at the cancer patient's treatment as a whole, um, and if we if we fail to optimize a person's uh, nutrition when they have this this you know this life changing life threatening challenge, what does that mean to long term quality of life? Well, forty percent of all cancer patients die not of their cancer, but of malnutrition and dehydration. So we must address those two issues primarily when we're treating any cancer patient, however early the stage of the cancer is, because that's the time when we can help the patient the most changing their diet, their lifestyle that we'll continue talking about, but changing the diet is critical. And the old myth about not losing weight while undergoing chemotherapy and radiation therapy is simply that, an old, tired myth. We need to have patients lose weight. We need them have on a low-fat diet and take vitamins and minerals. This will improve their quality of life and improve their chances of recurrence and extension of life. So these are important matters to address. When we see a new patient, however uh, early or late the stage is in the cancer uh, spectrum. 
It also brings up a, an interesting point, and I, I'd welcome you addressing it as well, uh, Dr. Simone, and that is um, with the revelation that obesity is a significant risk factor for uh, for cancer, and we're now leaking obesity to um, uh, eating a lot of calories, but lo- of not a lot of nutrients, please. Right. Well, most of our people, most people who are obese, eat lots of calories with no nutrient value. Um, Obesity is an independent risk factor for many cancers and heart disease and diabetes. You name it, the chronic illness, and obesity is definitely linked to it. There's no question about it. Uh, if you see an obese person, you can almost predict what diseases they can have, what they're at risk for, and when in their lifespan they'll start getting these illnesses. It's a single most independent risk factor. It's a major problem in our country. 65% of the people are overweight, including children. Uh, so we know that their cholesterols are high, uh, that the risk for cancer is high. 60% of women's cancers are related to nutritional factors. 40% of men's are related to nutritional factors. So these are major, major problems that we have to deal with, the obesity factor. And Don't forget, in women who are obese, uh, they make a hormone called estrone. The obese cells, the fat cells, make a hormone called estrone, and this estrone is a more potent carcinogen than their typical estrogens that they normally make. So they're getting a double whammy. Uh, they're getting uh, the obese factor and also this hormone called estrone, which is uh, can be a very carcinogenic issue for breasts and GYN tumors as well. Hmm. And, and, you know, the, the, the real opportunity to, to make a change uh, with we now find the, the, you know, the largely consumer-based movement of uh, patients... You know, wanting to to talk with their doctors about lifestyle factors to educate themselves about uh, you know sleep and activity and diet and wise supplementation you know how do we affect that in in the face of this oft repeated misconception Dr. Simone well that's a hard uphill battle uh, and there's several prongs to this attack one uh, the government can step in I mean they should step in but they haven't because the lobbyists are so powerful uh, for instance, let me give you one example about our liquids that we drink. For instance, 80%, we've known now, uh, this is buried in the FDA for about 11 years, 80% of all diet sodas have a harmful chemical called benzene in it. Government knew about it, didn't do anything about it. Um, the diet sodas persist on the market today with high levels of benzene in them, higher levels than our drinking water. A benzene is a harmful chemical that causes cancer, leukemia, lymphoma, etc. We know that any other drink that has two things in it, benzoate, which by itself is a very benign preservative and necessary as a preservative, uh, but together with vitamin C will form benzene. Government knew about it, suppressed it, uh, and who's responsible? We have a lot of drinks that have both of these in it. Again, if your readers or viewers want this, uh, listeners, uh, we can certainly e- email this article to them. So the government should be right up there trying to protect us, and we don't see that. We also know that fast foods, high-fat foods, alcohol, tobacco, all cause cancer. It's well-known, well-described. Everyone knows it now. There's nothing uh, mystical about it. These things should be either removed from the marketplace or taxed so heavily uh, that it becomes prohibitive to, uh, to consume them. So the government can help us out a lot uh, and thereby decrease the risk of cancer and heart disease and other chronic illnesses, and at the same time, de- therefore, decrease the cost and the burden to the taxpayer uh, in other ways. However, 
that's fine. Now, does the person who has this information in, in their hand, will they change their lifestyle? We all talk about it. We all buy the treadmill and put it in the basement and then put our clothing on it, and hang clothes on it, et cetera. Uh, we know what to do. We know probably what not to do. We know about four-legged animals now, by now. Uh, we may not know about shellfish. We don't think about it, but we don't eat it that often. But do we actually change our lifestyle uh, when this is happening? What we did, uh, we've gone to the patent office and for the last six, 16 years did battle with them, and now we have a patent on a process whereby we can link the premium for the health care costs to the risk. In other words, uh, when we drive our car every year, if we have 10 accidents, we're going to pay a higher premium than the person who has no accidents. With life insurance, we have the same pro- issue. Uh, if we're a higher-risk person, we pay a higher premium for our life insurance. But in the healthcare arena, all the premiums were about the same. In other words, a, a thin person eating the right diet, not smoking, not drinking, exercising often, that person uh, subsidized another person who cared less about their diet, their weight, and exercise program and things like that. So the fees were all the same, but the risk was much higher for the person who was overweight with a high cholesterol, who drank, who smoked, etc. This patent now will change that. We will uh, subsidize the person who's going to uh, take care of the bodies, actually pay the money, and the other person's going to have to pay more money. And sometimes... Sometimes the great motivating factor may be the pocketbook in their own pocket. So hopefully we can disseminate the information properly, get it out through great shows like yours, uh, an unbiased, truthful, and non-misleading show of information. Uh, You and Dr. Whitaker have been champions about that. Um, Hopefully we'll educate other people in other ways with uh, governments and and other uh, organizations like companies. And we have a, a program website called Stop FDA censorship.org. And here we're trying to have the uh, FDA stop limiting what we can say about vitamins and minerals. So information is critical for all people. I think once people understand what to do and why it's important, sometimes we don't understand why it's so important, uh, they may change. On the other hand, uh, we may suggest and, and encourage them by different means through this patent to, uh, to promote their health for them, uh, for their own safety. And you know, to, to to mentor, um, you know, you as as a father, as well as a you know clinician and and um, you know thought leader, Doctor Simone, you know what that means to the next generation. If, if we fail to heed this, in terms of you know what those decades of that you know that Western lifestyle, that meat sweet diet and inactivity and obesity, will mean to generations of the future. Well, we'll have huge problems, huge financial problems, economic problems, um, health problems. And to address that, years ago we started the Kids Start program where we actually go into inner city faith-based organizations, churches, and teach little people, I mean three and four and five and ten-year-old kids, about what to eat, what not to eat, uh, no drugs, no drinking, no smoking, etc. Obey parents, uh, obey authority figures. Um, really buckle down work ethic. We have a whole 10-point plan for them. And it's been pretty successful because what we have seen is that they have the children have used less whole milk and more skin milk products. And we see a real change in their diet. Uh, and I've been doing this for a long time, so now the 3-year-old now is a 13-year-old or 14-year-old, 
and they talk to us about what to eat so they can espouse this. So I think if we develop a real prevention program in this country, which we do not have, by the way, our government does not sponsor any real prevention program. Uh, their idea of prevention is a mammogram, which is not prevention at all, but rather detection. It has nothing to do with prevention. So our country needs a coordinated real prevention program to go in early in life and teach these little people about good things to do, not good things to do. I think we can make a difference at that level and probably more importantly there at that level than uh, at later levels of life. Important information for each and every one of us. Right. Uh, let's go to the phones. Dr. Charles Simone joining us today. Keep in mind his website, Dr. Simone, D-R-S-I-M-O-N-E dot com. Let's say hello and welcome to Tony. You're on the air with Dr. Simone, Tony. Hello, Tony. Oh, if I need to push the right button to make that happen. Sorry, Tony, you're on the air with Dr. Simone. My Hi. apologies. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Tony. How can I help you? Yes, she says shellfish and dairy, and I didn't catch the other food that she said to stay away from. Four-legged animals. Anything oh. with four legs. Okay. The curious thing about that is several years ago I told a patient the same thing, and he said, okay, doc, I'll eat the hind legs of the uh, cow. I oh, said, okay. I <laughs> okay, and all the, also the uh, three nutrients that you should take, it was beta-carotene. How beta much carotene. Well, the study showed beta-carotene, vitamin E, and selenium. The, the major antioxidants that people should be taking, I didn't really review that. That's a good question. The major antioxidants and other nutrients people should be taking are the following. Beta-carotene, vitamin E, vitamin C, and selenium. Okay, now how much selenium? Good. Uh, 200 selenium, 200 micrograms of selenium uh, with regard to vitamin E. Dr. Simone, I don't want to cut you short. Tony, sure. I want to hear the answer, so stay put, please, Tony. We're going to come back to you, back to others, with Dr. Charles Simone joining us today. Nutrition for Cancer Care, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. We'll give you the only shot in the arm you'll ever need. Your vaccination against misinformation in the healthcare industry. Healthy Talk Radio. Where we have open phone lines, any of your health care questions with Dr. Charles Simone joining us today. Uh, our, uh, our focus today is on nutrition for cancer care. And uh, we were talking with uh, Tony about particular nutrients uh, regarding cancer care. Tony, welcome back. Yeah, the nutrient list would be the following. About 50,000 units of beta-carotene with its supporting cousins, lutein and lycopene. Um, about 400 to 600 units of vitamin E. With regard to vitamin C, about 1 to 2 grams every day. And selenium, we talked about 200 micrograms. Those are the major antioxidants. We all should include vitamin D3, colocalciferol. That's important. I think the dose is going to be uh, higher than what we have normally used. There should be around six or 800 units a day, almost double what the recommended level is right now. And I think it can go higher if you do have cancer up to 2,000 units. And the B vitamin complex should be had as well. Uh, and finally, a calcium-based preparation that will help calcium enter the bones and enter the immune system as well. So those are important. One additional thing that I like to use all the time is aspirin. 325 milligrams of aspirin taken every other day will do a couple of things, beneficial things for you. It will decrease the risk of heart attack and stroke, but importantly, it decreases the risk of cancer from spreading. So that minimal amount of aspirin 
um, $5 a year worth of uh, aspirin is enough to really help uh, buy a big insurance policy for you. Okay, now the vitamin E, I didn't get that. About 400 to 600 units a day. Four to 600 units. Now those doses are for common everyday people. If they have a cancer or a specific kind of cancer, I will change and modify those doses uh, depending upon the problem. Mm-hmm. And the beta catatine was 50,000 units? Yes, which is about 30 milligrams. Either way, it can be listed either way. But that is distinct and separate from vitamin A. That is not vitamin A. It's beta mm-hmm. Okay? All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling, Tony. Bye. Tony, good call. We appreciate it. And you had mentioned that sending you an email. Uh, for a link to these two important uh, research articles that you and your team published, Dr. Simone. Right. If they send me an email to my email address, mail, M-A-I-L, at drsimone.com, D-R-S-I-M-O-N-E.com, then we can send them the links to these two articles that they can then download, print, and uh, take to their own doctor. I can't tell you the number of people (laughs) who have carried these articles, too. I appreciate you and appreciate your work, Dr. Simone. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure, and thank you for all that you do, Deborah Wright. Dr. Charles Simone joining us today to talk about nutrition and cancer care. He mentioned the email address if you want to get links to these two important articles, mail at drsimone.com. Our thanks to him, our thanks to you. If you missed anything, healthytalkradio.com. I'm Deborah reminding you, live long, stay healthy.